worship the risen Savior this morning. Let's take 30 seconds of Pentecostal praise break here this morning. Let's lift our voices. Let's lift our hands. So good to be here with you this morning. Thank you for coming and worshiping the Lord with us. You may be seated. We had a section one San Diego area youth rally on Friday night, and two of our young people got a good refilling of the Holy Ghost. Sean and Mia, we're so happy for you all got a good refilling of the Holy Ghost on Friday. And Nolan, uh, we're so glad to have him. So, but he didn't make the journey by himself. They, they drove... I think 30 or 32 hours in two days. They did in what I would have done in a four-day and a two-day trip. So thank you, John and Nicole, for bringing out Nolan and being with us today. Thank you so much. And uh, next time John's here, he's going to have to preach because he, uh, in Indiana District, I know he's heavily involved, and he's a Spanish preacher. So next time he's back here, does anybody else want to hear him preach? Okay, John, now you got to come back, okay? I mean, San Diego's a bad place to come visit. So, but thank you for bringing Nolan out. I do want to talk this morning to you for a few minutes, if that's okay, on the idea that there is power in a song. That we can sing a song and God would somehow show up. Brother Leroy, it's so good to see you home. So good. I love you. I'm not going to sing you a love song, but I love you, okay? We're going to get to the love song in a minute, though, all right? But it's an interesting recipe when we sing and we mix worship and praise and the power of God shows up. Nearly every one of us can agree that the, the power of music is undeniable. It can bring people together. People pay money to go in a room with a TV screen, and it's called karaoke, and they sing horribly together. And they have a great time, because it brings us together. It can aid the development of your brain. It can be an antidepressant. But what is most fascinating is how music can bring us back to a time and a place in our memories. We've all had that instance when you're driving the car, and that song takes you back. I mean, and every generation thinks that the best music is when they were the teenager. But I'm telling you, you ain't got nothing on Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston and Brian McKnight, okay, and Boys to Men. That's the real good music. That's what I grew up on. Don't, I don't need your Beatles. <laughs> or what's the other one? Uh, let's do the twist. I mean, that chubby checker but we're instinctively pulled back to a time and a place that we associate with a song the exact emotions and, and, and feelings that were surrounding it I mean I, when you're driving in the car with somebody that's and as I get older I, when I was younger I didn't understand this I'd be like my parents are crazy but you're driving in the car and this, my dad is he, he grew up in the 70s and that was the hippie era and I mean my dad needs lots of prayer okay I mean he's he probably would have long hair if he still could. And some of you would too. Don't act like you wouldn't. 
but he, his music would come on and all this, this stuff that I grew up listening to with my dad. I mean, and, I mean, come on. I will give you this. There, there's nothing like the Jackson 5. Okay? A, B, C. Easy as. It could take us back. I know some of you are like, we can't talk about this music in church. It's all right for a little bit, okay? You're, just be real for a second. You didn't grow up on what we just heard right now. Some of you used to grow up in a club. So let's just, let's be honest for a little bit here. But my mom would song would come on or my dad and, and they would say, man, I remember that. I remember that song first came. That was the best song of the year. And it takes them back there. And this is what's crazy. And it's, it always happens at my house around Christmas time. I know it's like, I think it might, it's Elvis Presley Christmas. I'll have a blue Christmas. Okay, I grew up on that. I have to, from Thanksgiving to, to Thanksgiving to Christmas, we are listening to Elvis. I mean, I have to, I have to go back. We grew up, my dad played on, we had record players, and we, the Alvin Simon Theodore Chipmunks Christmas album, the best. You, Frozen has nothing on them. Okay, I'm turning into my parents. The new stuff has nothing on the good stuff. But I can tell you what our house looked like. I can tell you what it smelled like at Christmas time. I can tell you what the backyard looked like with all the snow. As soon as we play that Elvis Presley Christmas. I mean, it's really bad. I think my dad listened to Merle Haggard Christmas too. If you don't know who that is, Google it. If you're under 50, you don't know what that is. My dad messed my mind up. If you didn't have a record player, did you know that they're back in style? Go buy one. It's a new thing. It's the, what they call hipsters are buying them. And they're, they're buying them. And the, the old original records, you can sell them for three and four and $500 now. You threw those things away and sold them in a garage sale for 25 cents. And now someone's making money on that. Because that music takes you back. What about Whitney Houston? I will always love you. See, Donna, that t- right there. Donna goes, take you back to preacher's wife. For all you millennials, you know every song and every lyric to High School Musical, and don't act like you don't. Right now, you can start singing it. It takes you back. What about the 70s? Staying alive, staying alive. See, is that hey, right? Music, it takes you back. I mean, there, but hey, everybody knows, do, 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 can't touch this. <laughs> Music takes you back. What if your life was a song? What song would it be? I'm not judging. I mean, if you like country, it's okay. You're going to lose everything. If I, Your pickup's going to break down on the way home. I'm sorry. Your dog's going to die and your wife's going to leave you. I just have... I don't know how I'm going to wrap this back into my mess. <laughs> but I want to talk to you about a song that's in the book of Revelations today. A song that is amazing. Out of all the songs in the Bible, the song has three different parts. And it was and is a number one hit. 
In Revelations chapter 5, if you turn your Bibles there with me. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much, and I wept much, and I wept much, because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, and neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. And he came, and the lamb came, and he took the book out of the right hand of him that sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four beasts and the four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy, thou art worthy, thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood out of every kindred and every tongue and every people and every nation. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood of every kindred and tongue and people and every nation. I want to speak to you today that he is the lion and he is the lamb. I want to talk to you that he is the lion and that he is the lamb. God, we're here to worship you. We're here to bless you. And we've done that, but now we want you, God, to feed your people. God, pour out your spirit and your word on your people that you would touch hearts and souls and minds and use me, God, fragile little me. Use me for your glory and your honor this morning for the next few minutes. Somebody say in Jesus' name. So let me show you what's happening here. There's a man named John. John is the favorite of Jesus. I'm not saying that. They actually wrote it, okay? But he... John was the favorite of all the disciples, the youngest of all the disciples. He was around when Jesus was crucified, and Jesus gave him a, a directions about taking care of his mother, Mary. This guy was favored, and at the end of the day, when the other disciples were basically martyred, John was over 80 years of age at this time, and the Lord says, you know what, John? You did right, so I want to bless you with something. He said, I'm going to bless you with the revelation. The revelation is what will take place in the last days. And he gave it to this guy named John on an island of Patmos. John at this point was already a senior citizen. He was already had his AARP card. He was already getting his discount at Denny's and Yellow Basket. If you don't know where all the good discounts are, talk to somebody with gray hair. (laughs) 
the Denny's discount. There's nothing like it. And yet you've got John here alive and getting the revelation. All of a sudden, God says, I'm going to show you some things that's happening in the last days. Hence, we have the book of Revelations. This is where it came from. But there's a portion of that that's very intriguing to me here. So the Bible says, well, we just talked about that I saw a scroll in the right hand. And, and he, uh, hand of the one who was sitting on the throne. A book, a scroll. The writing was on the inside and the outside of the scroll. But it was sealed. There was a strong angel who shouted with a loud voice, Who is worthy? Who is worthy? Who is worthy to open the book and break the seal? And no one in heaven or earth was able to. No one was able to read it. No one was able to open it. So John began to weep bitterly, began to cry, began to weep and began to cry and began to weep and began to cry. John sees one of the most important books, the scrolls in all the universe, and no one is able to open it. No one is able to see it. So John cries, but one of the elders says, hold on. Let not your heart be troubled. Let not your heart be troubled. There is someone. There is something that can open the book. Then it says, I saw a lamb that looked as it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing. Then they sang the song. He is the lion and the lamb. First of all, God already won. He already won. No one was able to open it. But all of a sudden, the elder comes and says, stop weeping, bro. Stop weeping, John. The lion of the tribe of Judah has already won the victory. I'm going to say it again. God's not going to win the victory. He's not one day going to step into victory. He's not one day going to make you victorious. He already won the victory. You and I should be excited that we serve a God that is not just any God, that he is not a defeated God, and that he is not a God that is one day waiting to rise up, but we serve a God who is the risen Savior. The God we serve defeated the devil that day on the cross. He defeated the devil when he got up out of the grave and he walked out of that tomb. You don't serve a dead God, a little God, a mini God. You serve the all-knowing, all-powerful God, Jesus Christ. Somebody worship the Lord this morning with me he already defeated sin and death Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah who won the victory are you with me this morning So whatever you're confronting, whatever you're facing, whatever you're fighting, I have good news for you. Rejoice because the Lord already won the victory. So listen, stop weeping and stop mourning and stop being depressed. You are serving the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the heir to David's throne and he has the victory. So I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you here. Show you who, show you what? I'm going to show you the lion. That's what the elder says. He's going to open the book. The lion's going to open the book. And John says, show me the lion. Show me the lion. I want to see the lion. All of a sudden, I don't judge my parents, but we used to watch Wizard of Oz. I know, I know, I know all these things now that I didn't know then. God saved me still. We were just, you know, we we're just poor people. We just did... We just did what we could do, okay? We were just trying to get to heaven, but we watched, we watched Wizard of Oz. But do you, anybody else watch it? Okay, I'm not the only one. Do you know, remember when there's the big scary voice? And they're all scared, and then they pull the curtain back, and it's like Nolan. 
hi. I'm sorry, Nolan. It's like Mark Chavez. So here, John is, it's like it's building up, it's building up. Who's the lion? Who's the lion? Who's the lion? And then all of a sudden, the lion is a lamb. It's like God pulled a quick one on him. Sometimes when you keep praying for something, and you're praying for something, and, you're pray- and you have something in your mind that you think it's supposed to be, and the victory looks different, you got to realize that God is the lion, and he's the lamb. He is the lion, and he's the lamb. Don't get it twisted, and don't get bitter, because a lamb showed up when you thought it was supposed to be a lion. You still got to understand that he's the lion, and he's the lamb. He is both things. Don't get it twisted, and don't get bitter, because the lamb showed up, and can open the book and John says show me it show me it but the lamb was slaughtered but was what still standing show me a lamb that was slaughtered but was still standing and I will show you the lion of the tribe of Judah I will we'll start the lamb that was crucified the lamb that shed his blood and a lamb that gave it all but he was still standing the lamb wasn't seated the lamb wasn't resting the lamb wasn't sleeping the lamb wasn't in a fetal position the lamb wasn't in a box the lamb wasn't in a coffin the lamb wasn't dead no the lamb was still standing how many are grateful that we serve a God Jesus that is still on the throne he's not asleep he's not resting he's not in a box He's not dead. He is alive and he's still standing. (laughs) No, no, no. As long as Jesus is standing, you're going to stand. As long as Jesus is victorious, you have victory. As long as Jesus is on top, you will be on top. Jesus is the lamb and the lion. John the Baptist in 1 John 1 29, John the Baptist said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of all mankind. Later in John 1 36, it's saying God explicitly identifies Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. Jesus is the Lamb and the Lion. Jesus is the Lamb and the Lion. He is the Lamb that was slaughtered, but is still standing. I need you to put a positive outlook on your life because the God that we serve is not just any God. He is not a religious figure. He is not even what is depicted on necklaces and earrings. He is not hanging on some cross permanently. The problem with that is that he is not permanently in suffering on a cross. He came off the cross. He came out of the tomb. And he is still standing right now on your behalf. He is still standing right now on behalf of you and I. And as long as I am preaching and I have breath in my, my lungs, I will preach Jesus. And I will preach Jesus crucified and Jesus resurrected and Jesus is victorious. Just like we sang, it's about Jesus. When we prayed, it was in Jesus' name. When we baptize you, in Je- it's in Jesus' name. We don't give glory and we don't give honor and we don't give praise or worship to anything in this house but Jesus. We're all about Jesus in this house. We're not Jesus only. We are Jesus everything. He is the Father. He is the Son. And he is the Holy Ghost. And it came down in earth as a physical person called Jesus. 
by in this house. I'm not just going to talk about air, love, and hug a tree and save a fish. You can go do that somewhere else, but in this house, I'm going to talk about Jesus because there is power in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you there's salvation in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you there's deliverance in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you there's forgiveness in the name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you you can have your sins forgiven in the wonderful name of Jesus. Because it's not about any other name but the only name given among when men my, where we must be saved. It is the name of Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that the name of Jesus. It's through his name that salvation comes. Yes, we have crazy people in this church that are crazy about Jesus. We're not ashamed to lift up the name of Jesus. We're not ashamed to shout the name of Jesus. We're not ashamed to praise the name of Jesus. We're not ashamed to worship the name of Jesus. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are not ashamed of the name of Jesus. Let me help you. Why? Because in this house, Jesus sets you free. In this house, he broke the chains off of you. In this house, he broke your addiction. In this house, he healed your cancer. In this house, he healed your diabetes. In this house, he set you free. In this house, he took the shame off of you. In this house, somebody worship the name of Jesus. Let me help the parents. In this house, your children were filled with the Holy Ghost. In this house, your children were baptized in his name. In this house, your family has been set free. In this house. And in case I wasn't clear yet, Jesus is both the lamb and the lion. So we put on Christ as we become more and more like Jesus. We put on him. We mature in his word. And the presence and the workings of the Holy Spirit are in us. Galatians says this. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. The Apostle Paul says this. If you're a Christ follower, you need to put on the fullness of Jesus Stop for a second. John says that Jesus is both a lamb and a lion. If Jesus is both a lamb and a lion, and we're supposed to put on Christ, then we're supposed to be a lamb and a lion. So everyone in the auditorium, if you're a Christ follower, we're supposed to be like a lion and a lamb. I didn't say a puppy dog. I didn't say a cute little cat. I didn't say, yeah. I mean, that ain't going to scare nobody. I think Sister Chris posted, and luckily Jackson was on the other side of the glass. But there's this tiger lion that thought Jackson looked like a good snack. That thing was just circling. We're supposed to be like a lion. Let me continue down this path. Biblical symbolism. If we live in a world... And I'm going to tell you this. We live in a world that is full of hyenas. We live in a world full of hyenas that mock and laugh. We live in a world of serpents that want to poison our family and our dreams and our destinies. And we live in a world full of wolves. Some of them, the Bible says, in sheep's clothing. 
In other words, the, the world and the church doesn't need cute little cats or little puppies. The world needs a bunch of holy lions that will rise up and release a righteous roar in this world. Are there a few lions in the house with me today? Are there any lions that are willing to shout? Are there any lions that are willing to praise? As Christians, we are both lions and lambs. I love, as I get older, oh, it's horrible. But I, I love watching like National Geographic and Discovery Channel. I mean, my mom was in town and she likes watching these house makeover things, you know? And after she left, I found myself like, well, how did that house turn out? <laughs> and so, I, I, man, National Geographic, I love that. So I watched this stuff. And there's a lion. He was out. They're filming. I don't know how they film these things all over Africa. I have no idea. But they're out filming. And this animal, it says, going to get food. But it got diverted because the hyenas came. Some of the lions, the stuff I've seen, it was on a, he had a mission. He had a destiny. He had a purpose. They said the lion was going to go get food, bring it back and feed his family. Come back. He got diverted. He got distracted with the hyenas. I heard of a preacher once say, he was talking about, he goes, I was on my way on a conference. I was flying out and I was flying to a city and I don't remember the next city, but they were flying in and they're flying into Indianapolis. He, he's supposed to preach that night. They get 15 minutes out. You know, they've already said, put your seats up, put your trays up. Beyond, you know, all that stuff. It's, puts your windows up. We're coming. We're going to land. He goes, we're about 15 minutes away. He goes, and the pilot gets on and says, uh, this is the pilot, and I have some bad news. That's not what you want to hear from the pilot, right? And they said, well, there's been some weather in Indianapolis. We're being diverted. And the preacher's like, I only had like two hours to get there, land, shower, get over and preach this conference. There's going to be 2,000, 2,500 people there. The main preacher for the night. So they divert him. Uh, we're going to divert you to Cincinnati. Okay, the Reds are horrible. If you don't know what that is, Google Cincinnati Reds. Then they're heading that way, and then he gets back on. I'm sorry, I got more bad news. We're being diverted to Columbus, Ohio. Because from Cincinnati, he said, I could drove, uh, you know what? I won't shower. I'll throw my suit on wrinkled. I'll just drive right into Indy, and I'll preach. Well, you can't do that from Columbus in two hours. It's just too far. And they get there, and they're like, and they, they get there, and they have to gas up, and they said, they're not even letting us go to the gate. And I don't know when we're leaving, and I don't know when we're going to get there. I don't have any information for you. But then the pilot said this. He said, but let not your heart be troubled. Because FAA rules and guidelines are this. If your plane has been diverted, you have priority clearance to come to your airport, your destination. 
You don't have to be the biggest plane. You don't have to have the most important people on the plane. Your plane can be coming from overseas, but your plane has priority. I want to let somebody know that you feel like you've been diverted by some hyenas, but I want you to know that you have priority clearance to your destination. I'm preaching to everyone who feels like they were diverted in 2019. I'm preaching to everyone who has something that came up and you feel like you ended and it's over and you don't know where it's gonna, where you're at and what you're doing. I want you to know, let not your heart be troubled because you have priority clearance to your destination. If this is for you, I want you to give them a little praise. If this is for you, give them a little praise. I want you to praise him like you're on your way. I want you to shout like you're on your way. I want you to worship like you're on your way. So he was the lion. The elder said, stop weeping, stop weeping, don't worry. Because the lion of what? I'm sorry, he's not just a lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So Jesus means, or Judah means what? So Jesus is the lion of the tribe of? Let's try it again. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of? Jesus is the lion of the people who know how to worship. Jesus is the lion of the people who know how to lift up his name. Jesus is the lion of the people who know how to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Jesus is the lion of the people who know how to praise him in season and praise him out of season. Jesus is the God and the lion of the people who know how to lift up the wonderful name of Jesus. He is the lion of the tribe of praise. That's why praise is important. That's why when you mix a song and you mix it with lifting up the name of Jesus, there is breakthrough in these altars. Listen, it's important. I know you think you can come rolling in at 925 and I'm not the pastor, so I shouldn't say this, but let me tell you real quick. The reason why you need to come to worship is because worship's not for you. Worship is the only thing we do in this building that's for him. So if you just come for the preaching, you're robbing God. You're not robbing you, but you're robbing God. That's why you need to be here at 915, because the worship is all about him. That's why, because you don't want to miss your breakthrough because you slept in. No, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Stay standing, stay standing. I'm going to give you these next points. If you want the full message, you've got to come back at 11.15. A lion marks its territory with his roar. Google it. Research it. The lion's roar can be heard a distance of approximately five miles. The lion marks its territory with his roar. Simply stated, if you can hear me roar, it belongs to me. My territory is marked by my roar. My territory is marked by my praise. Listen, Amos 3.8, the lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord God hath spoken, who can but prophesy? The Lord God hath spoken, who can refuse to proclaim his message? If a lion marked his territory with his roar, imagine what you and I can do with our praise. 
The lion's roar, if you could hear it, however far it goes, that's his border. That's his fence. That's his territory. I need you to hear me. Your roar is your expression of your faith. Your roar is your praise. It is your worship. It is your prayer life. But hold on. You need to know this. The roar. You need to roar the word of God. It's not a meow. It's a roar. It's not a cat. It's not a puppy. No, it's a roar. We're talking about being a lion. And we have people that look like lions, but they roar like kitty cats because they don't know the word of God. They know a religion, but they don't know the word of God. You need to declare that I am a child of God. I am victorious. I am a warrior. I claim every promise in this book. Know the word. Memorize the word. Live the word. Do the word. Express the word and proclaim the word. You mark your territory with your word. You need to release the roar on your family. You need to release the roar in your marriage. You need to release the roar on your children. Are you with me? Somebody help me roar a little bit. The lion wins the majority of his battles with the roar. Point two of my sub points here. What's this mean? The majority of battles are not done with claws or paws or even his bite. He wins the battle with what comes out of his mouth. There are things that you are fighting with your hands that you need to be praising with your hands. There are things that you are fighting with your feet, but you need to be dancing with your feet because the majority of your battles will not be won with your hands, but your battles are won through your roar and through your praise. What comes out of your mouth will make the hyenas flee, will make the wolves flee, will make the serpents flee, but it's got to come out of your mouth. God cannot open your mouth for you. He can't make you roar. You need to open up and say, greater is he that is in me than he that, because I put on Christ. I put on the lion and I put on the lamb. You're more than a conqueror. The lions roar, 104, 21 Psalms. The lions roar for their prey and they seek their food. The lions roar for what they want and seek. Let me, this for everybody with an unsaved loved one. A lion's roar provokes his children to come back. Hosea eleven ten, He will roar like a lion. And when he roars, his sons shall come trembling from the west. This is the prophetic imagery of Jesus, the lion roaring and his children coming back. But let me tell you, if we put on Jesus... If you put on him, you can praise your children back. You can pray your children back. Your roar will prompt your children to come home. If you're worried about your children, you're worried about them being lost, you're worried about them being bound, I don't want you to be a lamb right now. I need you to be a lion for your children. You're missing it. Don't forget, you're a vertical lamb with Jesus, but you're a horizontal lion in this world. We are confronting hyenas and serpents and wolves. You can't be a lamb. you got to roar like a lion. In the presence of God, you're a lamb, but in the presence of my enemies, I am a lion. In the presence of my enemies, I will roar. I will scream. I will praise him. Take 20 seconds. I want you to praise for somebody that's unsaved right now. Praise for somebody that's backslidden right now. I'm believing with you. I'm believing with you. I'm believing with you. I'm believing with you. 
Let me tell you, your children are coming home. Your children's children are coming home. Your children's children's children are coming home. Let me give you one more reason to roar. When the hyenas, which are the arch enemies of the, king, of the lion, when the hyenas in real life, do your research. When they go to attack a lion, they look for something. They look to see if the lion has any scars. Because if that lion has scars, they know that lion knows how to fight. And they will attack something else. This is true. I promise. Go home. Get on Discovery Channel. Watch National Geographic. You can preach this message. The number one enemies of lions are a bunch of animals that laugh. The enemy of the roar is the world's laughter. The enemy of the prophetic is the roar of the pathetic. It's the enemy's mockery of our circumstances. The devil likes to laugh. When you're broken, he laughs at you. When you surrender to sin and temptation, he laughs at you. When you start questioning the promises of God, he laughs at you. In the demonic world, there are demons that literally laugh like hyenas. The devil doesn't think, oh, they're questioning God. No, they laugh. This is what the hyenas do in the animal kingdom. If that guy, if that lion has a scar, we're gonna avoid him. Because if he has a scar, it means he knows how to fight. All the people that have never been through anything, this isn't for you. All the people that are pristine, this isn't for you. But I'm talking to everybody here and that anybody that's watching this message that you've survived something, are you with me? I didn't say you were wounded. I said you have a scar. A scar is a wound that's been healed, but it's still a scar. When you got it, you bled. When you got it, it hurt. When you got it, it was uncomfortable. When you got it, you went through it, you didn't like it. But are there a few surviving lions in the house? Look at your neighbor. I've been through some things. My scar says that his grace is sufficient. My scar says that I shouldn't be here right now, but God. My scar says that God showed up and made a way where there was no way. My scar says, my scar says, my scar says... I'm telling you biblically, there are hyenas that won't mess with you because you have a scar. There are things that run away from you because of your scar. Not your wound, but your scar. Your testimony. Your scar is your testimony. Your scar is your testimony. I made it. I survived. You know what the enemy says? I thought I had them, but now they're stronger. I thought I killed them, but now they're alive. I thought I put them down, but here they are better than ever. So let me tell you, your scars, don't be embarrassed of your scars, but you ought to hold your scars and your testimonies and say greater is he a lion cannot be tamed listen you can put a lion in a zoo for 20 years 
as soon as you let that lion out, it goes back to being a lion because a lion is a lion is a lion. A lion will acquiesce. I can't say the word right now. The lion will do what it needs to do to survive. But when it comes out of the zoo, he goes back to a lion. You can't domesticate a lion. It's not a cat. I dare you to look at somebody. I dare you to tell the devil, you can't tame this lion. You can't stop me from being who I was called to be. You can't stop me from being who I am in Jesus. I dare you right now, there's too much glory upon me for you to tame me. There's too much anointing on me for you to tame me. There's too much power inside of me for you to tame me. There's too much destiny upon me for you to tame me. Why? Because I'm a lion of the tribe of Judah. Brother Gary, help me here. I want to make sure everybody hears this. The last thing, and we're going to run these altars. Watch, watch, watch my feet. When lions walk... They walk like this. You can't see me back there? No, you gotta move. Lions continually walk like they have something underneath their feet. They walk on their tiptoes, Google it. The lion actually never walks flat footed. You know why? Because Romans 16, 20, the God of peace will crush Satan and place him under your feet. Are there any lions in the house that you know that the Lord has crushed Satan and put him under your feet? He is not above you. He is not equal with you, but the, the enemy is under your feet. This verse used to scare me. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, stay alert, watch out for the great enemy, the devil who prowls around like a roaring lion. I used to be so scared, but he's a poser. He's a fake. He's a fraud. He's like the lion, but he is not the lion. You and I are the lion of the tribe of Judah. You are crucified, yet you stand. You're a lion. You go through hell, but you stand. You are a lion. You get knocked down, you get back up, and you stand because you're a lion. You are in him. You are with him. You are through him. I was crucified, but I'm still standing. Lift your hands right now. My past died, and yet I'm still standing. My old me died, and yet I'm still standing. As long as Jesus is standing, I can stand. I am crucified with Christ, yet I live. Raise your hands right now, you're a lion. Raise your hands right now, you're a lion. Come on, let the roar out now. We're done. Let the roar out now. You need to roar some children home. You need to walk on top of the devil this morning. Let me tell you, he's a fraud and he's a phony, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater, greater, greater. You're a lion, you're a lion. Come on, let's let the lions out right now all across this house. If you wanna make your way forward, we'll meet you here on these altars. Yes, Lord.